The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Quantum Business Insights, emerging perspectives on people, process, and profits. Your host is Olivia Parr-Rood. In today's fast-paced, high-tech global economy, the business landscape is constantly evolving. To be successful, companies must continually adapt as well as identify and exploit new opportunities. Now, here is the host of Quantum Business Insights, Olivia Parr-Rood. Hi, Olivia here. Welcome to Quantum Business Insights, where each show we explore new perspectives on the changing nature of business with thought leaders from around the world. And with a special emphasis on what I feel is our most valuable asset, our human capital. Today, I am thrilled to have as my guest, Jonathan Wygant of Big Speak. And we'll be exploring experiential learning, how to lock in new behavior. Before we get started, let me tell you a little bit about Jonathan. He is a CEO and founder of Big Speak Incorporated, one of the largest business-oriented speakers bureaus in North America, focused on serving the Fortune 1000 and multinational companies worldwide. Big Speak addresses the needs of corporations, associations, nonprofits, and government agencies by providing motivational speakers, thought leaders, and subject matter experts, as well as facilitating strategic change initiatives and executive development programs through Big Speak. So, Jonathan, welcome to Quantum Business Insights. Uh, well, Olivia, it's, it's great to be on your show, and I'm looking forward to uh, an exciting dialogue with you. Thank you. So, in today's high-tech global economy, companies are always having to adapt just to stay competitive. And this often means that employees, as well as leaders, need to learn new skills and even new behaviors. So what are some of the concepts that leaders need to consider when planning a major change initiative, especially if it requires new learning behaviors, which they usually do? <laughs> well, um, I, you know, as I, as I've been working with my, my daughter who's in uh, eighth grade. She's been studying Newton's laws of physics. And um, I think Newton's first law applies very much to um, learning in general and to strategic and organizational change, which is that there are various inertias always in play. If either something is stuck and you have to apply force to get it moving or something's moving and you have to apply a force to stop it. So most of us, most of us as adult learners have um, many many inertias or habits in play. And so in organizations, you, know, you can just multiply that. And the complex of all those habits and behaviors and beliefs in an organizational setting are what I would call an, the organizational culture. So let's say an organization has been doing something a certain way for many years, and now while the market's changed or disruptive innovation shown up, 
in order to make change, um, those habits and inertias need to be dealt with. And usually, uh, in the case of a human being, especially an adult learner, one habit has to be extinguished or stopped in order for another habit or another behavior or another belief um, to take place. So, as you can see, uh, organizational change is, is a good deal more complex than just, oh, wow, the consultants came in, they studied things, and here's our, our you know, 57-page brief from Booz Allen. What are we actually going to do to make that happen? So, there's a, a lot of complexity around that. Oh, that makes sense. I'm curious, because I've talked to other guests about this do you find some industries are more adaptable than others? Well, you know, I think the ones that are just moving at light speed, and we know which ones those are, and those are, you know, the high-tech world, medical mm-hmm. world, um, healthcare. Um, some of those, obviously, I would, you know, uh, the scientific world, um, those those. Uh, are moving very, very fast. And some of the the um, more 20th century, 19th century industries that deal with manufacturing, which is the world I came from uh, before I started Big Speed, those, you know, they're, they're, they move more slowly. However, you know, they... Um, Disruptive innovation is everywhere, and um, competition is everywhere. So the more people can... Um, wake up and smell the coffee and know that uh, the only thing that's that's really permanent is change. And the more you are changing in a positive direction and you're doing it not in a reactive but in a proactive manner, the better off you're going to be. Yeah, that's a great point. It's like we're going to change anyway, but if we kind of do it intentionally and and aim for what we want, <laughs> we'll be better off. So that makes mm. a lot of sense. <laughs> exactly, um, exactly. So I'd love to explore in your overview that you sent me, you suggest using authentic and effective communication strategies. So for our listeners, how are these strategies different from the way people typically communicate? Well, I think the way most people communicate, and in fact, it's the certainly from, I come from a very mental model. My family was very mental, very little emotions, um, more the, the news and, and keeping things very, you know, factual and mental and, you know, it was all about being smart. Um, I don't think that's really the model that, I mean, obviously you want smart people and I've got smart people on my team at Big Speak. Um, that's important, but emotional intelligence and a, um, being more in a questioning mode rather than a directive mode, I think works better um, with people in general. What, what I would deem the, more the partnership model versus a command and control model. So um, some of the key components of a partnership model are using the Socratic method, which is asking more questions rather than um, saying, well, here's what we're going to do. And people go, okay, I guess that's what we're going to do. Uh, you want to get your team invested uh, and involved in whatever initiative um, that you feel you need. So and the way to do that is to perhaps begin with a SWOT analysis, which is, you know, what are our strengths, our weaknesses, our opportunities, and our threats, and involved your senior team and teams at other levels within your organization in that process so that people are awake and aware of, like, oh, gee, you know, here's 
a real weakness or here's a real strength. Let's build on the strength. But my God, our flank is really open here and we better do something about it and engage people in the process of, hey, what do we need to do to meet the puck up the ice? Um, what do we need to do to um, be at the head of the pack in our industry? Well, so if you go into an organization where people have not been heard, let's say, to put it kind of in a general term, and then you mm-hmm. bring them into a, maybe they bring you in, you, you get everybody together, and you say, well, we really want to hear from you. Is it, have you found people open up quickly, or do some people, are they still shy about really saying what they think because it hasn't really been accepted in the culture for a long time? No. Obviously, it depends on the, the culture, and if it's been a culture that's been, you know, punishment-oriented or, hey, if you screw up, you're getting fired or you're demotivated, then, you know, there's going to be a lot to overcome. But uh, one, one of our top speakers is, uh, is Doug Conant. He's the former uh, CEO of Campbell Soup, and, you know, his philosophy is being tough-minded on standards, tender-hearted with people. And I think that's where the emotional intelligence comes in is that the the further you go up the ladder in terms of responsibility, the less your technical capability is needed and you're more of your emotional intelligence. So, like, how do I get people aligned with a vision? How do I inspire people? And uh, I think, obviously, if you've got a culture where, where that isn't going on, you've got to you really got to do a wholesale uh, shift throughout the whole organization, and that needs to come from the top because it certainly isn't going to happen if some mid-manager with their team says, okay, we're going to do this, rah, 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 but the, you know, the, the, the CEO or the senior leaders are, are locked in some old paradigm. Uh, it's got to be um, a top-down and a bottom-up um, strategy or it's just not going to work. So do you assess, I, I, so let's say you have this culture where there hasn't been a lot of safety around sharing and, and being vulnerable emotionally or even with your ideas. Um, if you go into a team where the leaders don't promote what you're advocating, uh, how do you assess whether it'll work? Do you... Do you figure out whether they can change through some process or um well, I think that's difficult i mean I think it's it's gotta as i said it's gotta it's gotta be um something that happens through the whole top. however, that doesn't mean that I as an individual can't manage my career, my brand and um and be a leader within mm-hmm. whatever environment so I mean not every environment is perfect. And some organizations are are old and stodgy, and if you've been there 15 years and you're not interested in jumping ship, you can step up your own game by being clear about what your passion is, what your purpose is. You can be somebody who communicates uh, honestly and openly, somebody who asks uh, more questions than issuing uh, directives, and uh, who engages his or her team um, in um, a process of of improvement in um, in finding out, hey, what are my weak weaknesses? What are my strengths? And how can I begin to improve my game? And how can my team begin to improve their game? Oh, that's great. 
So what are some of the things you need to consider before changing behaviors, some of the different levels of, I guess, um, of these behaviors we have to look at? Well, um, I think one of the best things that one can do is, is with your team, do conduct uh, what's called a 360. And Marshall Goldsmith is one of the top executive coaches. He coached for Alan Mulally, and I think he's coached 20 or 30 of the Fortune uh, 500 CEOs. Now, um, he'll, um, and one of his other associates um, is a gentleman named Bill Hawkins, who we have booked into um, the Heartland Funds, which is one of the, the top value um, oriented. Uh, mutual fund families in the United States, and the CEO there was looking to put in a succession plan, and um, so he involved all of his senior leaders, and they basically did 360s where you're, uh, each each person looked to say, hey, what is it that I'd like to develop? How would I like to grow? And each other person commented and had ideas about the folks in the team, so you were reviewed by yourself. In this case, Bill, the, the uh, CEO, and um, by your peers, and also by direct reports. And then that mm-hmm. information came back to you. You know, here's how you show up in in this team. Here's your strengths, and here's some areas where it's reflected back. And this is all done in a way that no no particular individual is identified. It's done anonymously. And you get a chance to say, "Oh, wow, this is wow, this is how I'm showing up." I, you know, God. I actually heard that from my spouse as well. Maybe I could do a better job of, you know, um, of listening. Maybe I could involve um, other people in the decision-making so it isn't just, a, you know, me coming in and, and being very author- authoritarian. Or maybe I need to involve uh, other members of other teams in decision-making. So whatever that might be, um, identifying those things, and then setting up a plan with a coach because, I mean, some of the, the – there's been an important survey that, uh, that was done that has uh, uh, shown that the difference between um, a, a keynote speech, let's say, where somebody comes in and gives a good talk about some new ways of doing things versus doing a training – versus coaching, you get about a 5% productivity improvement with a good lecture or, or a keynote or somebody coming in. But if you can, if you actually um, couple that with a breakout session or a workshop where people roll up their sleeves and actually work on issues that are important to them versus just being lectured to, there's mm-hmm. about a four-time improvement in terms of productivity um, but then if you actually have coaching, such as I was just describing, that might take place over 6 or 12 months, there's yet another four times improvement factor. So there's a 16 times in- improvement factor from just somebody coming in and giving a good talk about what might be uh, a good way to conduct um, your business or a good way to, be, um, a way to be more productive or to be a better communicator. So the coaching and the training, in addition to um, a, a lecture or a keynote, um, is the way to go in terms of moving the needle on people actually um, improving their habits or their what their behaviors um, and improving the corporate culture. So that really makes sense, even in terms of this topic for today, because a um, a speech you might 
hear a nugget and get a little aha. But when you do a breakout session in a training, is that considered more experiential? And and then with coaching, yeah. of course, you probably set up exercises where you really do try to experience things as a way of learning. Can you elaborate well, a little bit on that? experiential. You know, maybe there's two or three issues that I'm working with big today. When I'm back, you know, tomorrow when I'm at, at work, hey, maybe there's somebody I really need to have a, um, a you know, a crucial conversation with that I've been avoiding because it's difficult, because it's really pushing me. But if I got some 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 skills, I actually worked with somebody in a one-on-one dyad uh, where that person, you know, was playing the role, let's say, of the person I need to talk to, um, and I actually can role-play it a little bit and get a little bit of confidence and then get some feedback from that person about, hey, you might have, you know, this worked and you might want to try this when you're talking with us as an individual, then now I've got some courage and a little bit of experience, much more likely mm-hmm. that I'm going to be uh, able to go back and confront that difficult situation that I might have just let slide if I hadn't had that workshop. And then coaching is then, you know, one of the most important things, Olivia, is, is whenever a team decides to do new things and develop new behaviors is for, let's say I'm going to do two or three things differently than I've done before. I might fool myself and kind of cheat, but if let's say you and I are, are I tell you the three things I've got to do, and then we're going to check in with one another every week on mm-hmm. Thursday at 2 p.m., and I've told you that I'm going to time block and I'm going to... Um, I'm going to meet with my direct reports uh, once a week or whatever, and then um, we have to have a, a phone conversation about that. I'm darn well going to do it because I don't want to embarrass myself in front of you, and mm-hmm. you won't want to embarrass yourself in front of me. Of what? Well, gee, I told myself I wanted to do this. I I'm going to do it, and so that's what I you know what I call an accountability partner, an accountability buddy. That is a very that single tool um, is incredibly powerful in terms of getting people to move the needle on behavior that they might find uncomfortable, even though they know it's going to improve their performance and their ability within the workplace and and in their personal life. I totally agree, and I think that's something, if, if people take one thing away from this show today, it's how powerful that is and it can be so simple even just email someone and say I commit to doing this would you check in on me on Friday and see if I've done it if I do that I'm much more likely to actually get it done and there it's just some psychology like you say we don't want to be embarrassed but it's a it's a great trick because it I don't think the person cares so much except they want us to succeed but it creates this accountability Um, so I'd love to talk about, you mentioned the importance of commitment and accountability. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Well, you know, uh, there's the old Goethe quote that, you know, until somebody is committed, and once somebody is committed, all manner of, of forces and energies coalesce and come to your aid, because you've, you're now putting out a very clear signal that mm-hmm. I'm now being this way instead of that. So it's like the world shows up in response to how I show up. If I show up differently, then the world will show up differently because I'm 
bringing a different vibrational frequency, if you will, or a different mm-hmm. a different way of thinking. And if I show up that way, then there's going to be a, a, a very different and uh, responsive um, uh, from from my world around me, from the people that I work with. And uh, so that's what I would call, you know, a committed intention. If my intention is to, you know, for for instance, for me, I'm interested in writing a book. And one of the reasons I'm doing more of these interviews is I know that I've been told, wow, you've got a lot of knowledge in, inside of you. Um, but by doing these interviews, it's forcing me to write things down. It's helping me articulate it. And it's now being recorded. And it it, it is the serving as a basis and an outline uh, for a book on the personal growth, professional growth, and business knowledge um, that I have inside of me, but just haven't gotten down into a cogent written form yet. (laughs) Brilliant. And I have to tie this to my show, which is called Quantum Business Insights, and I use the word quantum because when you spoke about the frequency, part of uh, a book I wrote in 2009 called Business Intelligence Success Factors talks about how businesses can leverage the theories of quantum physics, where if you set an intention, it creates a attraction. And then, as you said, things just show up to support what you're, you're doing. And, and people may have a hard time believing that, but I would say just try it and watch what happens. So that's really mm-hmm. powerful. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I'm glad I could have something <laughs> that aligns well with, with your intention. Yeah, right. I mean, I think... It's amazing once we get into the concept, like when you started out talking about Newtonian physics, and there's a big, I don't know if it's a big battle, but there's definitely tension between the Newtonian and the quantum physicists. And, um, but there are ways to move things, move the needle, move just the world around us if we set a really clear intention uh, get very specific about what we want to create and then just watch what shows up. And I've done this for years. And so now I just sort of take it for granted, but it's still powerful to mention that. And so no, talk- I, I, oh, I sorry. would agree with that. And, you know, I think some of the, one of the, another important thing to bear in mind is, is something that, uh, you know, Tom Chappell from Tom's of Maine articulated probably 20 years ago. He wrote a, he wrote a whole book on servant leadership which is like showing up to serve the people who are um, on my team, that I'm not there to, you know, to, you know, direct and push so much as to inspire and allow people to settle into their strengths and to do their good work. And obviously that's coupled with situational leadership, meaning if somebody's a new employee, you got to treat them, you know, with a lot more support uh, than somebody who's, you know, been doing the job for five or 10 years or somebody who's been on the job for 30 years is a whole different thing. But, you know, um, being there to support and being there to um, really listen. And I guess that if there were one communication skill that um, I would harp on and encourage every organization to bring in experts and train people on. It's what I call generous listening, mm-hmm. which is when I'm in a conversation um, that, or a dialogue, when the other person is speaking, I'm really listening 
not mm-hmm. so I can be clever and cute, uh, which is definitely a pattern of mine in my family, and that's kind of <laughs> how I survived was being cute and clever. Well, I've been spending a lot of years, you know, that'll never go away, and that's a fun part of my personality, but being caring and considerate and really being in a place where people, when I'm with them, really get that I heard them, mm-hmm. um, that's such a gift, and it then allows for much deeper communication rather than some kind of ping-pong match where, you know, we're trying to, you know, up-level one another in terms of our knowledge or capability. Um, so I just wanted to share that as an absolutely essential um, skill that it gets a lot of lip service, but I don't think it gets a lot of uh, elbow grease, and it needs both. <laughs> Well, I definitely agree with you. I think the biggest yearning that a lot of people have is just to be heard. And and like you were saying, not sitting and thinking about how they're going to respond or say something that, I don't know, like you've met people, I'm sure, that always have to one-up you uh, with whatever you say. And I, I see those people, some people think they're overconfident. I think they actually lack confidence. But as we do our personal growth and really get to know ourselves, I think that's when we can show up to be that really good listener for someone. And then when they're done, rather than going to some other concept or or speaking about something related to it, maybe just affirm what you heard. I think that people really get a lot of value out of that. And as a leader, I think you're right. It's one of the best skills. And even I work a lot in the data science field and a lot of the analysts, me included, I do work that my managers don't understand. So I have to be able to sometimes think like a leader and and hear their concerns, even though they may be my manager. Um, you know, where are their fears or concerns about what I've done and, and also their optimism maybe about how it'll help the company. But uh, mm-hmm. I think because of complexity, everybody has to think like a leader. And I think the listening skill you described is one of the best. So thank you. So we have about two yeah. minutes left. <laughs> um, do you have anything you just want to share about Big Speak or um, anything well, that you Big like? Big Speak is, is, um, is a, uh, an organization that's very focused on the business community and the the the, um, the problems that businesses have, and we're focused on innovation, team building, leadership, productivity, accountability, those types of things that senior leaders like are interested in their team performing at a higher uh, level. And we've put together a, uh, a fabulous grouping of, of business experts and, you know, there are agencies out there that, have, you know, focus on celebrities and focus on um, uh, politicos and, and, and uh, you know, ex-military uh, officials. But we're focused on who are the, who are the people who can really move a needle on, on, on business improvement on business performance, um, and, and we also go way beyond keynotes. Uh, most agencies are, well, we'll plug in a speaker, they'll speak for their 60 minutes, they'll shake a few hands, they'll have a cocktail, boom, they're gone. We're very happy to set up keynotes, but we're, uh, we very much bring alongside that coaching and training, so workshops and breakout sessions so folks get to actually apply the principles and embed those principles into their, um, in their work 
habits, in their beliefs, and in their uh, attitudes at, at work and at home. And really give them that experiential learning, it sounds like. Yes. Yeah. Yes, because that makes all the difference in terms of if there's a four-time factor once you've actually tried something versus just heard about how something might be good. And then there's a 16-time factor if there's not only you work it through a, a workshop or a breakout session, some training, but then you've, you've done some coaching. You've brought in a coach who's, you know, helping to keep you accountable with your peers, with your boss, and with your subordinates. Wow, that's great. So I imagine the ROI is pretty high on that when you think about how a 16-fold increase in, say, productivity could could go to the bottom line and really make a difference. Well, I, I just think a lot of people don't realize that uh, that going beyond a good talk is really what needs to happen. I mean, it, it makes intuitive sense. It makes logical sense. It just, I think there's some inertias around, hey, we just bring in keynotes and there's a lot of talk and good talk and people get fired up. And But when the, when the Monday morning uh, fire hose hits people, uh, you really want, you need more than just a good talk in order to shift uh, the, what I call the, the behavioral matrix. Oh, that's, I really appreciate that. So listeners go to www.bigspeak.com. And Jonathan, we're out of time. Thank you so much for being my guest today. And I hope you'll come back and visit us again. I would very much like to, Olivia, and I really appreciate spending some time with you today, and I look forward to uh, being a service to anybody who needs uh, the services of Big Speak. Thank you. So for a full description of our next show or other upcoming shows, as well as access to this show and all past shows and guest bios, please visit www.quantumbusinessinsights.com. I'm your host, Olivia Parrud, saying Thank you for tuning in to Quantum Business Insights and have a great week. Thank you for tuning in to Quantum Business Insights. Please join your host, Olivia Parr-Rood, again next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your weekend and we'll talk again next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.